Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. We are continuing our series. It's going to last one more week about Satan. The, the series has been entitled Piercing the Darkness. The reason we've given a month to doing this is because it's important for us as people who live in this world to understand who our enemy really is. The better we understand the enemy, the better we can deal with him. It's not necessarily easier to deal with him, but it helps us to be aware of his schemes. And so um, we're going to be hitting on that uh, for the next two weeks. Matt, next week, will be teaching actually... Uh, the title of the sermon is called Hell's Fire, and we'll be, he'll be talking about hell. Uh, so uh, I hope you will you'll be here to, to hear that uh, presentation, because just as sure as heaven is real, hell is real as well. Um, personally, I'm not worried about it. Uh, I'm not worried about it because I have a Savior who has saved me from it. Um, and, and he's the one I live for, and he's the one that hopefully you're living for as well. Now, before we dig in to this, let me set this up about the reality of Satan. I, I don't know how many years ago this was, but I was in Haiti. I had led a trip down there with, with five other people. Two of those people were young people. Three of those were adults. We landed in Port-au-Prince... On November the 2nd, November 2nd, so what? What is that? You know, October 31st is Halloween. Halloween is a contracted word of Hallows-een, or All Hallowed's Evening, or the evening before All Saints' Day, which is November 1st. Everybody with me so far? And All Saints Day is a day when you're supposed to be celebrating all those who have gone on before you and the victory of Christ and all of that. All Saints Day. Well, in Haiti, November 2nd, after All Saints Day is celebrated there, they have what's called the Day of the Dead. The Day of the Dead is a voodoo celebration. And Haiti is given over to voodoo. The reason they're given over, although they're... Their national official religion would be Catholicism. Really, it's voodoo. The reason why is when they, when they got their independence uh, from, from England, when they uh, got their independence from them, they rejected everything about those who held them in captive because Haiti used to be a slaveholding island. Okay? And so when, when they finally got their independence... They went totally opposite of those who had captured them and held them hostage. And so what they did at their time of liberation is they made a pact with Satan. And they would no longer honor God, but Satan would be the one that they would honor. They really did. This is how the country was founded, the country of Haiti. And so once a year... At this Day of the Dead celebration, this is a time when a huge voodoo uh, uh, celebration when people seek to be possessed by Satan. 
They go after it. They believe there's a special falls in Haiti where you go, and if you get into the water, that, that Satan will overcome you, and he will possess you, and he will fill himself up with, uh, fill you up with himself. And, and they do this, and they celebrate this. Well, when we landed on November 2nd, it was late afternoon, and we wanted to, we, we got to our place where we were staying at the guest house, and once we got our stuff unpacked, we wanted to get to a telephone where we could call back to the States and let everyone know we were here. And so we, we got, our bright idea was, since we were there in Haiti, we want to get the sights and smells of Haiti. The sun is going down. It gets dark. It's like turning the light switch off. It's light. It's dark. That's it. And so it's, it's now dark. We get into the back of the pickup truck, and, and it's open air. There's no cage around or anything. It's just us back in the back of the pickup truck, five of us, and the other one, an adult, was in the cab with the driver. And we start driving out onto the main road there of Haiti, heading up to the hotel we were trying to get to, to make this phone call. And as we pull out on this main road, which is like the worst road in Scioto County, as we pull out on this main narrow road, we start up this incline, and there's shops and stuff all around us, but they're all closed down. It's really, really dark there. And, and as, I, as I look up over the cab, I'm looking up, I see this bus up towards the top of the hill pulling out onto the road, to come out onto the road. And as he pulls out onto the road, he gets across the road and, and he breaks down so that his bus is sitting opposite the road and now traffic is blocked. So there we stand in the back of the trucks like, okay, this is interesting. Sights and smells all around us, but not a whole lot to see, just kind of taking it in. When all of a sudden we start hearing the beating of drums and we start hearing this, this noise of, of people just yelling and carrying on. And I look up and from around the bus comes this group of people. I can't tell you how many. I'm going to guess 300 to 500 people. It's a bunch. And they came around this bus. And as they came around, they just came back in front of it and kept walking down the road. And they're drinking their rum, and they're beating on their drums, and they're beating on things, uh, the, uh, the vehicles around them and all of that as they're walking towards us. And I'm going, wow, this doesn't look good. And I don't know if you've ever seen news reports where people, uh, there, there's this mob, and a car happens to drive into that mob, and all of a sudden people start shaking the car and you really feel your heart goes out for the people inside of it. You know they have to be scared to death. Well, what happened is when as they were coming down the road, this group of people all of a sudden came to this pickup truck with five white guys in the back. And, and they surrounded the truck and they started shaking their fists at us. They started hitting on the truck. They started climbing up on the truck. They were shouting at us. We don't know what they were saying. They were speaking Creole. We don't know what, what they were saying, but I'm certain it wasn't pleasant. And, and, and then as they climb on the truck, they start hitting on us. And I've got, you know, I've got a couple young people there. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, wait a second. This, is, this thing's going all wrong. This thing is upside down. And it kept going on for about 15 minutes. It seemed like 15 years to us. And as I stand here and tell you this story, 
I, I can see it in my eyes if it's, if it's, as if it's really happening. And I'll never forget when we got back to the States after this trip, I was sharing this story and I, all I, I just broke down and wept because I have never been filled with so much fear in my entire life. I'd like to say that I stood there boldly and now I was scared to death. And, and, and as these people were just all on top of us, and I remember just laying my head over the cab of the truck, and I put my, I put my head down over on, on my hands, and I, I said, Lord, I know you didn't bring us here to kill us. And right here, I did something I've never said before. I've heard people do this. I just never said this before. But I said, I plead the blood of Jesus over what's going on right now. Have your way. It didn't stop immediately. But then this, this one guy out of this crowd, it was obvious that the crowd was kind of geared in on this one guy. I mean, he had more power than everybody else. He stepped, made his way in front of the truck, and he started waving his arms and yelling. And about the time he's waving his arms and yelling, the bus starts, and it begins to move on up the road. And the traffic behind it starts moving on up the road. And then it's our turn, but all the people are still gathered around us. We can't go anywhere without running over anyone. And, and as he continued to yell, then all of a sudden, as if his commands were the commands they were supposed to follow, whatever they were, the people who were standing in front of the truck parted. I mean, just like the uh, Red Sea is what it looked like. They parted. The people who were on the truck and in the truck, in the back of the truck with us, they got off the truck, and we started slowly going up the road. That night, I can, with all confidence, stand here and say that I feel like we encountered Satan on the road. And without Christ, there was no hope. That's how I felt. Um... And, and so, I want you, the reason I'm telling you that is I want you to understand something. As, as Matt has said a couple weeks ago and Scott last week, we're not dealing with just some kind of made-up entity somewhere. We're dealing with a powerful, powerful person. And those who seek to live their lives under his influence then live lives of destruction. Now, in John 8, 44, see, my topic today to talk about is to talk to you about Satan, a liar, and the father of lies. Where do we get that from? From John 8, 44, where Jesus is describing Satan, and he simply says this, Satan is a liar and the father of lies. Raise your hand if you've lied. So we all have been under the influence a little bit, given in to the oppression just a little bit, thinking it's the right thing to do. 
And it might seem like the right thing to do temporarily, but it's always the wrong thing to do. Satan, a liar and the father of lies. Let's do this. I'm going to ask you if you would, take your bulletins. I want to do a quick review with you from the last couple weeks because in order for me to take you where I want you to go today, you, you have to understand this. So we start back and <clears throat> you'll see in your bulletin where Satan, a liar and the father of lies, first lied to himself. Okay, I want you to see this in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of Zephon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. Look at this last line. You have to grab this. If you miss it, you're missing everything I'm talking about today. I will make myself like the most high. Everybody there? This is Satan's lie to himself when he is in heaven and he is, he is there. He is a created angel that God created. And you may go, wait a second, lying in heaven. Now, where did this come from? That's a strange idea. But Scott talked about this a little last week, if you'll remember. See, the nature of love, and God is love, according to First John, John chapter 4 and other passages of Scripture. God is love. And the nature of love demands that you allow a choice. You can't force people to love. Love is an active choice. And if God is love and his nature is love, then even in heaven there was evidently a choice to be made. Am I going to honor God as the sovereign, as God and king, or, excuse me, am I going to honor myself? Am I going to elevate myself? Lucifer, a created angel, a beautiful angel according to the scripture, determined that he would exalt himself. Everybody with me here? I will be like God. I'm not going to submit to him. I'm going to be like God. Second thing you see is a quick review. Satan and his followers then, because of this lie, were cast out of heaven to earth. And you see this in Revelation 12. Let's show that. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him, meaning that when he exalted himself, what he did is he he started a rebellion. He chose not to love God, and there were some angels who evidently joined his rebellion. The scripture would say a third of the angels that were there in heaven joined the rebellion. When they did, they were cast down to the earth. Everybody got that? Now, it's important you get that because now he no longer is an angel in heaven under God's authority, but now he has been cast down with his angels that we know as demons or imps. They have been cast down to the earth. And this is where they're hanging out. All right, let's keep going. While they're here then, as Scott talked about last week, Satan accuses and pursues the church. While he's here, he's accusing and pursuing those who call Jesus their Savior and their Lord. Look at Revelation 12. I've got three different verses for you here. 
The dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. That's the church. Those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. Look at the next verse, verse 13. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. And then verse 17. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring, those who obey God's commands and hold to the testimony of Jesus. So when Satan was cast down here, listen to this. This is important. Matt made a great point about this. He was not cast down here as a final judgment. He was cast down to earth. Hell, Matt said is not a place where Satan rules and reigns. Hell is the place where Satan is punished along with all of his followers. All of those who deny Christ, all of those, that's what hell is for. It's a place of punishment, not a place where Satan goes, I'm king. It's his punishment. Eternal punishment. Now, When Satan pursues, when he came to the earth, this is what you have to grab. He brought his lie with him. Now, what was his lie? I'm going to make myself like the Most High God. Keep that in mind. I'm going to make myself like the Most High God. I'm not going to be under him. Ah, It's me and him, and we're equals. I'm going to make myself like... That's his lie. Now... He brings that lie to the earth with him. Go to the book of Genesis chapter 3. This is kind of interesting to me. In Genesis 3, we have this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Go to the next verse. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. Next verse. And hold it here. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. Now leave that verse up, okay? I want you to look at that verse. You must not, but God did say, Eve is saying this. You must not eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. Do you know God did not say that? This is really kind of interesting to me. This is one of those gold nuggets. This is what you get when you spend a little time just flipping through the Bible, reading the Bible. You can always learn something new. And, and so when I open my Bible, I'm always just, I'm not digging. I just am reading and I'm, I've got my pen and my highlighter. I'm just taking notes and I'll read and, and uh, writing my margins and all that jazz. Well, catch this. When God created... And he created Adam. There is all of creation and there is Adam. You'll read this in in the account of chapter 2. And when he creates Adam, he tells Adam, you have access to anything. This is is for you. And you're, you're my crown jewel. The only thing you can't do is you can't eat from the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. That's the only thing you can't do. Remember, there has to be a choice in order for Adam to truly love. 
You can't eat from the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because the day you eat of it, you'll begin to die. That's what's going to happen. Okay, God, I got it. Well, after, after um, Adam names all the animals, then God causes him to lay down and go into a deep sleep. And the first surgery is performed. He takes Adam's rib out. And out of that rib, he creates Eve. He creates the woman. And he brings the woman to the man as in this wonderful wedding procession. It's really cool, how, that, that whole picture. But do you know something? The rule of not eating the fruit was given to Adam. Which meant it was Adam's responsibility then to communicate that to his wife. Men? Men? You're a spiritual leader. Got that? Okay. I just I throw that in on the side. That one's for free. Now, so, so Adam, I can see him talking to Eve. Just showing her all this creation. God says we can, we can have it all. And, th- and then he shows her the tree. And he says, now, we can't eat the fruit of this tree. As a matter of fact, you can't even touch it. I can see him emphasizing it. You know, this, is a, this tree's a big deal here. Because if, if you eat the fruit of this tree, you're going to die. So don't touch it either. And so Eve, when she confronts Satan here in the garden, the serpent, he says, you must, she says, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it. I think those are Adam's words there. Or you'll die. Look at the next verse. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. Next verse. For God knows, here it is, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Sound familiar? There's the lie. The lie that Satan lied to himself in heaven is the lie that he brings right here. And it's the lie that he's been promoting all along. Now, with that said, I want you to look at this this quote in your bulletin. Look at the quote. It simply says this by Charles Stanley. One of Satan's most deceptive and powerful ways of defeating us is to get us to believe a lie. And the biggest lie is that since you are like God, there are no consequences to your own doing. Satan will give you whatever you ask for if it will lead you to where he ultimately wants you. It's a powerful quote. But you look at that next question that I have in your bulletin. And this is where I want to go. It's where I want to spend just the rest of our time together. Let's just suppose for a moment that Satan's lie is actually true. What if this idea that you can be like God, you and God are equals, what happens if that's actually true? And I've, I've listed, I don't know how many things here, seven, eight, something like that. But there's, I'm certain there's many more. I just, this is the things I scratched on out of my pea brain and that's it. The first is this. If Satan's lie is true that you can actually be like God, that you are actually equal with God, then a sovereign God doesn't exist. A sovereign God, a God who is over everything. How do you know that, Rick? How do you know that a sovereign God, real simple. If I'm God just like God is God, and we're on the same level, I know I'm not sovereign. And if I'm not sovereign, he's not sovereign. 
if we're equals. Are you with me? The second thing I want you to see is that if Satan's lie is true, an all-powerful God doesn't exist. This God that we talk about must be limited in his power. How do I know that? Because I'm limited in my power. And if he and I are equals, then, then he is not all-powerful. And then the third thing I would jot down here is that an all-knowing God doesn't exist if Satan's lie is true. If his lie is actually true, a sovereign God doesn't exist, an all-powerful God doesn't exist, an all-knowing God doesn't exist. How do I know that an all-knowing God doesn't exist? Because if he and I are equals, I don't know what's going to happen the next second. I know what my plans are for the rest of this day, I just don't know if they're going to happen. I'm limited in my knowledge. And if the lie is true, then this God that I'm equal to is limited in his knowledge just as I am. Now, let me take a side note just for a second. About four years ago, I, I sat down with a, with a person who wanted to talk to me about... This won't mean much probably to any of you, but I'm just going to toss this out anyway. Uh, who, who just talked about something that is known as open theism. I don't know if you've ever heard of it or not, but open theism is, is simply this. That you have a free will. This is in a nutshell, I'm giving you this. You have a free will. And in order for you to have a free will, God can't know what you're going to do in the future. He can't know it Simply because if he knew it, then you wouldn't have a free will. That's kind of their thinking. And so, what God does know is he knows the options that you have. He doesn't know the choice you're going to make, but he knows the options that you have. And he knows the consequences or the blessings of whichever option you choose. He just doesn't know which option you're going to choose. And then when you choose your option, then there's other options off of that. He doesn't know what you're going to choose, but he knows the options of each choice. That's called open theism. Now I'm going to just simply put this in a little statement. If Satan's lie is true, then open theism is true. Because we're talking about a God who isn't all-knowing. A God who has limited capacity. And the God of the Scripture is not a God of limits. He can't lie. He can't sin. He can't deny himself, the Scripture says. But other than that, all through Scripture, through prophecy... You see God who is at work and all-knowing, all-powerful, and sovereign. Just toss that out for what it's worth. If Satan's lie is true, if Satan's lie is true, I am the center of everything. Catch this. If Satan's lie is true, you're the center of everything too. Because if you and God are equals, if God and Rick are equals, that's a scary thought. But if God and Rick are equals, 
then I'm the center of everything. He's not. He's just another person who says he's God. But if he and I are equals, then I'm the center of everything. And whatever I desire happens around me. Because I'm the center of it. And I take my stand right in the center of this entire universe and say, I'm God. Boy, how arrogant is that? Do you see how beautiful this day was today? Just as you came in, just the gorgeous sun, the gorgeous sky, nice crisp fall morning out there. Absolutely beautiful. And we think so much of ourselves that we think the world really does revolve around us. And, and, and we're just such a minute, I mean, we're not even a speck. We're not even, we're not any of that in, in the mass of creation. But if I'm God, I'm the center of it all. The center of it all. Okay, next. If Satan's lie is true, an absolute moral standard doesn't exist. What do I mean by that? I simply mean this. That there is no set right and wrong, good and bad. There's nothing set. It depends on what I want it to be. Right and wrong is all dependent on me because God and Rick are equal. You know what? There's, there's something. I was always thinking if they took sound bites out of the sermon and just played them, God and Rick are equal. Heresy at Christ Community Church. Um, but uh, so if you would hear something like that, that's not, that's not happening. But, but anyway, um, if, if I am equal to God, if I'm buying Satan's lie and I can be like God, I can be equal to God, then whatever I determine to be right or determine to be wrong is up to me. It's not up to you. And you, as God, you have your right and wrong. And so you and I, we can't impose our right and wrong on each other because you're choosing your right and wrong. I'm choosing my right and wrong. You know what? Eventually you're going to have mass chaos or the United States of America. Okay. Um, So I was uh, watching a debate this week. And... um, and I'm going, to, I'm going to throw this out. I, I debated whether to say this or not. I'm going to say this. I love you, Rosanda. I just say it. Just say it. Listen to me. Standing at two podiums, I don't care who you like. I don't care. You got a picture of this very thing. It's clear as a bell on one issue. It's clear as a bell. On the issue of whether the baby in a mother's womb is actually a life or not. Now, Scripture, the God of the Scripture says that the baby in the mother's womb was put there by God and he's in there forming it. Okay? He totally overlooks mom and dad. You guys are all proud of what you did, but he's going, (laughs) you guys had nothing to do with this. I did this. Okay. He takes all the credit for this. He takes credit for the life in the womb, and that's why we believe and hold to that life is sacred. Based on the teaching of Scripture, now, we believe that to be an absolute standard, moral standard, that that's life. So you have one candidate, the question's posed, you have one candidate who opens and simply says... I believe that it is not in the government's best interest or do they have any place uh, in making a decision for the mother. Uh, the, the mother should always have the right to choose. 
How can that candidate say that? Simple. That candidate believes that you're God and that you're God and that you're God and that, that she's God and that everybody's God and, and, and their right and wrong is determined by them. Do you understand that? The other candidate said, the other candidate said that it's a shame that even up to the ninth month you can rip a baby out of the womb and kill the baby. I've heard so much political banner over all the years. I get tired of it. I appreciate the freedom that I have and the lives that were given for me to be able to freely even proclaim Jesus here. But I tell you, when, when it comes down to, to supporting somebody, I'm not, I'm not going to support someone. I don't care what party they are. I'm not going to support someone if they if they completely overlook what God has established as right and wrong. This isn't about turning your back on somebody. It's just about living your life and standing for something. I'm not standing for a party. I'm not, I'm, I'm not standing for any of that. I'm standing, I'm standing on the Scripture. And this is going to guide me. And this... This is what should guide this is what should guide us. Okay. Enough said. An absolute moral standard will not exist if you're God and I'm God. So if you want to wonder how people can make such decisions like we just talked about, they make it because they believe an absolute moral standard doesn't exist. I move on. The, the next thing. If, if Satan's lie is true, there's nothing beyond this life. There's nothing beyond this life. What do I mean by that? I mean that if God and I are equal, I haven't seen heaven. I don't know if there's anything beyond the grave. All I've seen is people go underground and dirt thrown on them. That's all I've seen. So as far as I know, guys, that's what's going to happen to you and what's going to happen to me. I can't tell you there's anything beyond this life. If God and I are equals, there must not be anything beyond this life because I don't know if there is and... That way he must not know if there is. Because he's equal to me and I'm equal to him. If Satan's lie is true, the next to the last thing is that I am at war with anyone who claims to be God. This really makes sense to me. If Satan's lie is true, that you are equal to God and that I'm equal to God, then, um, then we are going to be at war with each other. We're not really going to get, to get along, you understand? Because what I want to do is what I want to do, and I'm God. And you think you're God, because you are, and you're going to do what you want to do. And I might, I might like the car you drive. And if I like the car you drive and I want that car, well, I'm God. I can take that car. But you're God, and you're going, no, you can't. I'm going to kill you. And so you shoot me. And, and so you got God shooting God. And you, got, you, you have all these gods at war, which is what we have. If Satan's lie is true. And the last thing I have for you is this. If Satan's lie is true, then I am left to my own devices. If his lie is true, I am left to my own devices. I can go as low as I want to go. I can be as evil as I want to be. I can be as good as I want to be. Anything goes, I'm left to my own devices. Now... Those are the things I have for you there. If Satan's lie is true, I'm certain there are others that you could come up with. But I want to ask you this. 
when when I was putting this together, I thought, you know, folks are going to sit there and go, Rick, this is really a dumb question. Because we know his lie isn't true. I mean, why would, you, why would you even spend time? I mean, you spent the last 20 minutes just on this question. Why would you do that? Well, let me ask you a question. Why do we live our lives as if his lie is true? Because that's what I see. What I, and I'm not saying that's what I see in you. I'm saying that's what I see in me. I'm, I'm pointing the finger here, right here. Why do I live my life as if I'm the center of everything? Why do you live your life as if you're the center of everything? As if every wish that you have should be done that way. Why do you do that? Why does, this, why does this world do that? Why does this world hear the lie of Satan and then buy it hook, line, and sinker? Because we do. This is how I want things. I want to do, my world needs to look like this. And we totally ignore the God of the universe, our sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving God. We ignore Him for our own benefits. There's a problem there. And so it's not, it's not as simple as going, you know, that's a dumb question. It's actually a real gut check. It's a real heart check. It's a real life check. A mind check for you and for me. Why, Rick, are you living parts of your life as if his lie is true? Why do you think that you can even... Bow your head and talk to the Father and order Him around. Okay, God, now first of all, here's what's going on. Let me, let me inform you. You know so-and-so? Well, they got hemorrhoids. And God's not on His throne going, really? I didn't know that. God, thank you, Rick, for telling me. Now, Lord... This is what I want you to do. I want you to heal that person. Now, Lord, you know, and he won't mind me saying this, you know, Lord, Neil Parsley is dealing with leukemia, probably. Having his tests done. And the Lord's not going, gosh, Rick, Neil, really, Neil? Yeah, Lord, I mean, I'm right here, and I, I, I was talking to him today, and I didn't know if you knew that or not. No, you know why Neil can rest? Because God already knows it. Knew it before he had it. And who are we then to look at God and go, okay, now, God, okay. I might have caught you by surprise, but now here's what I want you to do, okay? You need to heal him. Okay, you need to do that. Now, you need to do that so we can all be happy. Why do we order God around? Why do we place our order with Him that way? We need to pray. We need to pray like Jesus prayed in the garden when He said, "Not my will, Father. I I wish You'd take the cup from me, but it's not my will. It's Your will. Whatever You desire, and what You desire could be painful. What You desire could cause death. 
God, I know that beyond death, there's life. Why do I know that? Here's why. Because Satan's lie is a lie. You and I aren't like God. Our God is sovereign. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's the center of everything. He's the center of everything. There is an absolute moral standard of what is right and wrong because He said so as the center, sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing God. There is something beyond this life. Why? Because He told me so. There was something before this life, and there's something after this life. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I'm coming again and taking you there. And we're going to hang out maybe, uh, let's say, forever. Um, That's pretty good stuff. Because He is God, and I'm not. And I'm not at war with you, since He is God. I'm a brother in Christ with you. And you may look at me and go, well, Rick, there's some things I don't like about you. And I'm going to look at you and go, yeah, there's some things I don't like about you either. But I'm not at war with you. We're not at war with each other. Turn around, turn to the person right next to you. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm not at war with you. You're not at war. Husbands and wives, that probably felt good, didn't it? Um, Listen, I'm not... At war, we're not at war with each other because He is God. He is our sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing. And so, as we pray and as we leave here, let's leave. Let's leave here honoring our King, our God, recognizing that this Father of lies, His lies aren't true. Let's pray. Father, I thank You so much for Your grace And mercy that you have extended to us. And I thank you that even though there are so many times where we don't understand you. And we don't understand why things happen the way they do. We have so many questions. We rest in the fact that you are God. You are God and we are not. You are the center of everything. We are not. And we submit ourselves to you, our King. And I ask you as we leave this place today that we go and we invade this community with the love of Jesus Christ. All those that you put in our path, may we represent you. We love you and praise you in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week, all right? We'll see you next week.